Welcome, everyone. Tonight, a very, very special dear friend, Dr. Liz Darosa. Liz, would you please introduce yourself? Thank you so much for having me back. I'm an academic. I've been teaching for 23 years. Love doing that. Recently got a master's in industrial and organizational psychology, which super excited to kind of add that to my toolkit. I have 57,000 connections on the social media platforms and growing, growing, growing. And it's so great to actually meet people, whether it's online or face-to-face from these connections. It's super excited to be here. And I've got, I think, some good questions to ask. Oh, my God. It is so wonderful to see you. So you're always such a breath of fresh air. The first thing I wanted to, to get your insight on was networking. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It, it had to change because Absolutely. people went from being able to go to after hours and have drinks and mingle and mix and everything mm-hmm. to not being able to do anything. <laughs> uh, right? right. And then just by necessity. Yes. All of these online networking groups. And I know that you are with several of them. And so what do you think about do you think that's here to stay? Do you think that's going to kind of dissipate and it's going to move kind of back to the face-to-face networking opportunities? I believe that we're going to have a mixture of that because some people are in it because they're forced. Some people were afraid of it and they were, again, forced to have to try it. But then they all of a sudden found out the power of it. I've seen many people like that. Because they used to think, for example, LinkedIn is just an electronic resume. They never thought about the connection part. And because of the pandemic, they've also been learning a lot online. Even in my case, I mean, you you saw that I started this thing to help people and interact people and keep people on a positive mental level through the pandemic. But I never realized that it would turn into such an amazing educational show because Mm -hmm. that's what has happened. As a matter of fact, the other day, somebody credited some of these videos for getting a job. And Mm -hmm. I was shocked because Mm -hmm. we don't just gossip. We talk about substantive issues and substantive questions, and we try to answer them in a very educational format. So so what's going to happen is that those people are going to realize, oh my God, you can actually have deep relationships with people because again it's people is people it's not the question of how we interact you remember even when the phone came into being that was a problem right people used to be insulted why did you call me why don't you come over and chat but then that became normal and cell phones my god calling somebody on the cell phone was almost like an insult is your phone that important that you have to call me on my cell phone people used to get upset but now they probably get upset if you call them on their home phone. Some don't even have a home phone, right? So I think that we're humans evolve culturally. So I believe that there's going to be a positive cultural evolution. I believe also that the people who really hated it and maybe still never understood the power of it, they're just doing it for the sake of it. Maybe they will still drop off. Some of that is going to happen. But I know a lot of people actually understood the power of technology and not just technology. Look at the types of technology we're using today. 
we're having massive global communications, conferences, educational seminars, classes, all of these things online. Well, I, as a digital strategist, have been doing this kind of a thing as technology evolved for 30 years. Whatever technology came, I adopted it for professional success, business success. That's what I do as a living. So now that has also given me that opportunity to truly help people. So as you saw, I put together some global conferences using simple Zoom and things like that. Mm -hmm. I also coached people on how to make these Zoom kinds of conferences entertaining. Because if you take, for example, a one-hour boring PowerPoint presentation in person and you put it online, people are just going to die. They're just going to mm -hmm. go away. Because online has to be very different. Very. So why did I do this kind of a show where we're constantly going back and forth and all that, and I don't require somebody to be an expert in anything. They can just come and chat organically about questions they have in their mind, because this makes it interactive. It's <laughs> not like me giving slides in a boring presentation or a monologue, mm -hmm. right? That doesn't work. So I think that's what's going to happen. What's your thought on that? I think you're right, but I think one of the things that I've missed, mm -hmm. and I am not, I'm an introvert. I mean, I, I can put it out there and I can, I can be the sunshine and everything, but I am an introvert, but I miss the interaction, mm -hmm. the, the casual, just the side conversation that you could have sitting with somebody that you don't get in a, a Zoom room. You might get in a breakout room, but still it, it's artificial. You're not there for the whole hour and able to whisper to somebody or to write somebody a little note that only they can see. Mm -hmm. You miss the nuances. And I think those are the nuances that sometimes that really most people are kind of used to creating those bonds and then being able to then say, oh, my gosh, Paige, it was great talking to you at this networking event because we really did share something mm -hmm. that maybe other people didn't share with her or with mm -hmm. me then because we were able to have that physical closeness. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really one of the, the negatives and I think kind of a gap in in all the digital piece, but it is super great, super convenient, right? Able to go to a lot more events mm -hmm. because you don't have to travel, right? And put, right. put, and put the miles on your car and right. Yeah. And, and able to, Paige is located in California. She and I wouldn't be able to be connected if it were not for a video mm -hmm. component or some digital component. Mm -hmm. I mean, even you and I were both in Maryland, but still I'm on one side of the state and you're on the other side of the state. And so it's got the pros and the cons. And I think it would be great if there were some way to help create those kind of more informal connections that I think we miss. And perhaps it's the reaching out afterwards because there was, you thought there was a connection and then you have to create that on your own. And hopefully it's mutual. Right. And hopefully it's genuine and it's not, ooh, I have this ulterior motive. Right. So I think I think that can be challenging. So I do believe that the future will. You actually mentioned some very important points in there. And I believe what you're talking about is the definite need for hybrid, even when we go into the new world or a more normal world. See, my problem is that, or maybe that's one of my strengths, which is that. I never worry about the problem that I cannot solve, right? I cannot solve the pandemic problem. Mm -hmm. It has to solve whenever people solve it. But in the meantime, 
I've got to get my work done in a safe way. So I felt like take opportunity in that adversity and do what, what I can do and do my leadership. And so that's what I've been doing. I converted my Toastmasters to that. I converted this. And actually, in my opinion, it has actually led to some connections globally that I would mm-hmm. never have had next week. So September 8th, I was, I was, we were talking about who signed up for the show mm-hmm. next week. Next week, I'm going to be talking with a retired brigadier from India. Amazing thought leader. We would never have interacted if not for this kind of a situation. And he also found he had to have a forum. So he started doing his forums and all that. And I was on one of his forums. So I invited him to mine. And we're going to have a chat. We're going to have a relationship. And someday, yeah, it might lead to some physical conference interaction also. So mm-hmm. I do believe that it has created connections among people that would not normally have existed. And it has also allowed us to make the impact of our work global. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my book tour right now, mm-hmm. globally. And I've told people that as long as I'm marketing my book, my talk is free. Mm-hmm. So that has opened up opportunities. I'm online. I've spoken to so many places. It's unbelievable. That would never have happened. That's a great question. What else? Another kind of pandemic specific, and it almost happened immediately, where people who were showing up to work, right, Mm -hmm. which then turned into Zoom or Teams or right, whatever video technology, Mm -hmm. they went from wearing a suit Mm -hmm. or a dress Mm -hmm. to very openly sharing on social media that they were wearing track pants or athletic shorts uh-huh. on the bottom, even though up top may have looked professional or so there's that piece, right? Kind of those people that are doing that facade, but trying to still be comfortable or right. people that just said, you know what, maybe I'm not going to take a shower today. Maybe I'm going to wear the baseball cap. And we've all been on those meetings, right? right? Where, you right. know, the person rolled right out of bed, still has the t-shirt on from where they slept in. So there's a huge change. And I remember the first administrative job I had in a school. Yeah. Everyone was dressed up. You wouldn't see anybody, even on a casual Friday, in jeans. You wouldn't see anybody in a t-shirt. There's no open-toed sandals. Very corporate Uh look. And then we have the pandemic and people are home, arguably with a lot more time for grooming. Right? (laughs) And they're not taking the time. I am a super casual person. I would love to live in a sweatshirt, jeans, and flip-flops for every second for the rest of my life. Right. But there are times that it's appropriate to be like that. And then there's other times that you need to dress up. You need to do your hair. What do you think about that? Because I think that has been a huge impact that we've seen with the pandemic. And I don't know that people are going to go back to wanting to put that suit on, to put the dress on. I mean, maybe maybe a casual dress, but not that dressed up. All right. This leads to one of my favorite topics, which is people's personal brands. What is the brand you want to project for yourself? And that brand has to be appropriate to the occasion. Yes, certainly takes learning, and a lot of thought about that. And a lot of people, unfortunately, have never thought about their personal brand. And they don't realize that when they do these kinds of things, where they wear inappropriate or incongruent clothing, 
in situations. So for example, I wouldn't go to a pool party wearing a suit. That would be inappropriate there. Just like I wouldn't go to a business meeting wearing a bathing suit either. Appropriateness and personal branding and what you're projecting to the people and the public is kind of important. And people have to understand who they are, what are they trying to project. So I think you've raised a fantastic and most important point there that in this environment, people should not forget about their personal brand. As a matter of fact, if they're recording things and many of these things are recorded, this could actually impact them in a negative way. People have to be very conscious about the personal brand they are projecting. I mean, we have already had horror stories of even TV commentators and anchors and those kinds of people caught in really embarrassing situations. Well, obviously, they're not thinking about their personal brands, but we need to. I am 100% with you over there. People need to be conscious, and I'm conscious. For example, one thing that I've shunned for quite some time is the tie. But even in presentations, conference presentations in person, I like to wear at least a jacket, mainly because it goes part of my professional brand that I'm trying to project over there. And we need to be conscious about that. But I also don't want to appear as a stiff shirt and wear a tie because I believe tie most of the time today is no longer appropriate. It's just not my style at all and hasn't been for quite some time, especially once I went into academia. But even when I went to academia, I was always dressing business-like because I wanted my students also to see role models that they should emulate when they go to the business workplace, because that's what people are going to expect. And that's why I was been teaching them public speaking and all that and professional networking, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Very interesting point, Liz. I knew you were going to have some good questions. Yeah. We share the academia piece. And my first teaching job, I taught at DePaul University and I had just graduated from there. Mm-hmm. And I was so nervous. And I remember when I wore that first day teaching, it was a, it was like a skirt suit. Oh, so not my brand, uh, right? But I didn't know. I mean, I was like 24. Right, I didn't right. know what my brand was. Right. And I remember I was super nervous and I gave myself a little pep talk in the bathroom and I went in and I kept feeling nervous. And then afterwards I thought about it and I'm like, it's because I'm not dressed me. And so I had to go back to like, okay, what's going to make me feel good and powerful sharing a message with the students? Mm-hmm. And so I adjusted. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a great point that I think sometimes people hear branding and they're like, I'm not in marketing. That's fake. That's putting on a facade. No, it's not. Like it's being true to who you are because that's when I'm it. true to who I am, I mean, I, I feel more powerful. That's it. It is projecting your inner greatness, whichever way you want to. This is why I was also talking about that whole thing, the discovery process. For example, a musician, if that's their brand, their whole projection, persona, inner being, inner greatness is going to be completely different than, say, a college professor. You have to do that soul searching and exactly figure out who you are in what situation. And that's what you project. For example, if I am with my nephews and nieces and all that, I'm not wearing a suit. Because that's not the brand I want to project there, right? 
absolutely. And I think that also goes to when people interact with each other on social media. And I found during the pandemic, people are still very hesitant to accept the invitations from people they don't quote unquote know. They still haven't gotten it. They still don't understand it's a platform for growth. It takes people time. Some people fight it. Some people just do not want to accept and embrace it. And my thing is, don't waste your time on the platform if you don't want to grow on it. Yep. Because spend your time doing something else. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think this is the thing. And that's why I've also been talking about this whole concept of showing up, how showing up is more than 50% of life's success. I have countless examples of that. Well, I'm a person who always shows up. If I see free networking opportunities where I might meet some great people, I show up. And that has led to so many connections. It's just unbelievable. So on LinkedIn and things like that, I see the same way. The only times I don't accept connections is where there's no picture. And I tell people, I say, would you ever go to a networking event? With a bag over your head? (laughs) With a bag over your head. Okay. And then expect to meet with me and expect me to greet you and all that. Well, it's the same thing. If you don't have a LinkedIn picture, Mm -hmm. even if it may not be very professional or whatever, you should have a professional Mm -hmm. picture that reflects your brand, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to accept your connection request. I don't care who you are. Right. Right. And then to have a chintzy picture of something because you're secret and your job is also secret and all that. Okay. So then why don't you keep it secret? Why do we need to connect? (laughs) If it's that secret, all right, because I don't care if it's secret or whatever, you can always put confidential, but still talk about your brand, whatever that may be. They'll have a picture. You can even have a different name. And I taught somebody that. I said, there's nothing wrong with having a stage name. If you're so Mm -hmm. afraid of revealing your true identity to the public, think Mm -hmm. of it as having a stage name. And I coached one of my students that way. Mm -hmm. I said, have a stage name, but you got to have a name. Right. And you got to have a picture. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. It's basics. Basics, Basics. people. You don't have to be in marketing to know this. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) actors, actresses, these kinds of people. Authors, they've always had stage names and mm-hmm. pen names and pseudonyms, and that's perfectly okay. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Your yeah. legal name doesn't have to be on your LinkedIn right. profile. Right, right. <laughs> yep. As a no, matter absolutely. of fact, if you want to be known as Liz, then that's what you should put out there, right? Sure, absolutely. Even if your real name may be a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. But you want to be known as Liz, sure. put Liz out there. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, my name is Elizabeth. Like legally, that's my name. But I put right. And again, that goes to the point of I prefer Liz. And therefore, that's right. That's part of my brand is Liz. Exactly. And it's it's beautiful and it's consistent, you see, because Mm -hmm. you're going to have brand dilution. If you have Elizabeth some places and Liz some places and all this and all that, and you're doing some activities in one name and other activities in another name. And this is why I even talk about people being very protective of their names. Mm -hmm. I'm like, every time you get married or divorced, why do you really have to change your name? Do you realize (laughs) it's actually hurting your brand? Because a lot of your work, body of work may be in one name. All of a sudden, you've lost that body of work when you change your name. Mm -hmm. And 
sometimes it could actually make your brand subservient to another brand. And you have to think about that. I realize a lot of things come from culture because we never thought about branding. But even when this name adoption came, it was mainly because of social things. People wanted to denote a particular family and a belonging, and and it was often even treated like property, right? Mm -hmm. So is it the same thing that we want to project today? If we're really talking about equality of everybody, economic independence of everybody and all these things everybody has to have a brand whether you're a man or a woman or no gender it doesn't matter you still need to have a brand to earn your real value in this world and to claim your rightful place in this world absolutely well my last juicy little nuggets okay and it, and really it's kind of the whole rest of your show and the reason that you started it was having a growth mindset right but it's beyond that. I think people think it's about being positive and being happy and being successful and satisfied all the time. And it's not. When I post things that are constantly uplifting, that doesn't mean that I feel constantly up here, cycling up here all the time. Nobody does. Nobody at all does. So I think that's something that people have troubles when they see, right? Because you don't, if you don't have that connection, that personal connection with somebody, you're just thinking, Mm -hmm. wow, their life is perfect and constantly sharing like all these tips or whatever it is. And so it's, how do you sustain, how do you sustain a growth mindset, even when kind of life can go like this for you? I think perpetual learning. It's like, I don't keep banging on closed doors. And that's something you've heard me say many times. And it's the way I coach people. If a door is closed, I am not going to keep banging on it. I'm going to look for open doors. Who would have thought? I would have never thought that I would be doing audiobooks for other authors. It's continuously challenging myself to learn new things adapting myself to the circumstances that I cannot control and only focusing on things that I can control. I can control my actions, but I cannot control the actions of others. So I don't engage with negative people. My only defense when bad things happen is to focus on trying to do something good, trying to keep myself occupied. In this pandemic situation, I would have gone crazy if I wasn't producing all these audiobooks. My God, they have kept me busy for months because sometimes it takes me one full month to narrate and really voice act a good audiobook because I don't just read. I actually put emotion into the narration so that mm-hmm. the reader will almost be transported to that scene rather than me reading the scene. I'm transporting them to that scene. These kinds of things, it has challenged me in so many ways. I've learned about audio editing. I've learned about microphones. I've learned about all these gizmos and software. And so this continuous learning, it just keeps my brain and everything busy. That's kind of the way. And it shuts the world and negativity out. And then I don't spend that much time watching TV and all that, because again, TV has become really sensation and opinion filled mode. I mean, everybody's just trying to be way out there as an outlier and saying outrageous things just to get attention and media attention. And then the media is actually feeding this 
vicious cycle because they think it sells, but actually doesn't sell. I think it turns people off or it creates a perpetual amygdala hijack condition where people are no longer thinking rationally because they're controlled now by their amygdala. Because if you keep people under a constant stress situation, I try to avoid having a constant stress situation so that I don't want to be controlled by my amygdala. And that's what I suggest everybody do. That's why I keep talking about this, that there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Actually, uh, one of my wonderful mentees actually asked me that question at a conference and said, Dr. Haseeb, how do I know I've achieved success and found my pot of gold? I said, no, don't ever look for the pot of gold because you keep riding the rainbow. The greatness, the journey to greatness is forever. Because you reach someplace, now you can reach higher. Because you've reached that place, you can now reach higher and keep trying, keep learning, keep growing. She actually loved that. And she's actually made that a hashtag. I've made that a hashtag, ride the rainbow. And you will often see us do that. Yeah, that's what people should be doing. Ride the rainbow. All right. Yeah, I think I've posted some things about rainbows and you've made some comments. So I didn't have that particular context. But no, I I agree with you with the keep going, keep reaching for things. I got my master's in sociology in 1999 and I fought for years and years, actually almost two decades, psychology, because I thought they were diametrically opposed. Okay. And so I, I wouldn't take any class. Like I just was so, but then I got into human resources and I'm like, you need to know about people. You need to know about motivation and behavior and this and that. And that. And then as, as soon as I started taking these courses, I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? And it wasn't kicking myself because I didn't do it. It was like, yay that I did it. And I'm embracing it and seeing how it can add to my 20 plus year experience in sociology. And so it's now an, it's an add on. Mm-hmm. But I, I maybe I missed some opportunities because I didn't jump on that bus or that train when I first had that thought. And I think when people, when you think something like, don't do this, right? Like I was thinking, don't take psychology, right? I mean, it's taking right. things yeah. positive. It's not right. negative right. things. Yeah. I probably should have just dipped my toe in it just to say, you know what? Maybe it's not what I think it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not going to try to erase all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. right, that I have, maybe it is a great add-on. Mm-hmm. And it's not always going to work out that way, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've all tried things that it doesn't turn into this wonderful seas parting, the sun comes out and the sunshine, it just isn't always like that. But we can learn something from even the negative experience. Absolutely, right. So the, the fact that that happened to you, now you can make that story a part of your next conference speech or something, because there's a lesson to learn from that. And that's kind of what I do. I take the mistakes that I might have made and I relate it to others so that they don't make the same mistake, especially if they're my mentee. I don't want them to be making the same mistakes. They're going to make their own share of mistakes. I mean, yes, because they're they're going to face situations that I didn't face because they're in a new world and things like that. You're absolutely correct. And this whole business about adapting new things. So actually that conversation also came up, which I've been talking about. Remember how any undergraduate curriculum today includes, say, freshman writing 
-hmm. or English or maybe basic math or maybe basic office productivity. And I've been actually talking to some university presidents and provosts and deans. I've been trying to get their ear. I said, do you see that digital strategy and understanding how to navigate in the digital world and even some safety, security, whatever you call it, I don't like to call it cybersecurity because these are now these have now become basic skills, just like English communications, freshman writing. These are skills that every undergraduate today will need. And it is time, high time, that we start to update university curriculum. So far, nobody has gone for it yet, but I think the first university that goes for it is going to make a groundbreaking decision that is right for the time because we're in we're right now in the fourth industrial revolution we're no longer in in an assembly line economy where all the stupid things where we pay people by the hour and no matter who comes in we're paying the same hourly rate that's ridiculous because two people i don't care how smart they are or what they are we will never produce the same value in any job. In any job, we will never produce the same value. So we should only be paid according to the value we produce, not by some artificial budget number, which was designed for an assembly line economy. We don't have an assembly line economy. We have an intellectual economy. We are in the fourth industrial revolution. So anyway, Liz, this was absolutely an amazing discussion. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and saying a few words. Thank you.